Hello, I'm Maya Wimala, and here we are in the summer, bright sun today. Uh, I hope you're having a good summer. I hope you're safe if you're living where the weather is um, creating fires and floods, and uh, I hope you're safe right now. I hope your feelings of worry and anxiety or uh, have been calmed and that you're taking care of yourself as best you can. And if you're in a place where everything is just wonderful, appreciate that and be filled with gratitude and enjoy it. And it will help you if you can try and reach out and help, help someone who may need help at this time, even if it's a phone call or going out and having coffee with them and having a pleasant conversation. Reaching out is really important. So we'll sit today, but first I'd like to read from my, my current favorite book, Dhamma Everywhere. And I think this, uh, the advice from the section called In a Nutshell, is really eye-opening. So these are short little snippets uh, where he's put together a lot of uh, what he's talked about. And just each one, you may find something that's really helpful to you. So hopefully I'm not repeating myself too much. Sometimes I lose my marker. <laughs> so this is from page 142 in the book Dhamma Everywhere by Ashin Tejaniya, or, or Sayadaw U Tejaniya. People say that it is tough to maintain awareness. Actually, it is not that difficult to have or to maintain awareness. People only think it's difficult when they don't have awareness of their preferred object. You can have awareness with any object that arises. The object is not important. It is more important that there is awareness in the mind and that you learn how to maintain it. So how do you help awareness grow? You do this by becoming skillful in the practice, knowing how to maintain the practice, and knowing how to grow in meditation. These are the marks of wisdom. There will always be contact with objects, but defilements don't have to, but defilements won't have a chance to arise when awareness, stability of mind, and wisdom are strong. Your work is to be diligent in strengthening these spiritual faculties of awareness, stability of mind, and wisdom. Are you yearning for the Dhamma, or do you want to learn how to practice meditation? Lopa, and remember that's greed really liking something probably way too much. Lopa just wants Dhamma as an end result. Skillfulness and right practice, however, will grow confidence, faith, and wisdom. 
So lopa, that quality of wanting, of greed, uh, just wants the Dhamma as an end result, the processes of no interest, right? So skillfulness and right practice, however, will grow confidence, faith, and wisdom. You want Dhamma, but you don't get Dhamma. Why? It's because what you are actually doing is off the mark. Something is missing or lacking in the practice, and it's not complete. The wisdom that understands how to practice skillfully is still fragile. When the type of wisdom that knows how to practice skillfully is complete, then other insights into Dhamma will naturally follow. If you are putting work into your practice, but find that you are not seeing corresponding benefits to what you've put in, ask questions, investigate, study what is happening, and have discussions with knowledgeable teachers. These are ways to become skillful in meditation. Some yogis have told me that their samadhi, and that's that stable mind, suddenly uh, suddenly vanished when they yawned, swallowed some saliva, or shifted around. What kind of samadhi is this? It can't be considered stability of mind if it can be so easily disturbed. It's the kind of shaky samadhi (laughs) which only arises when experiences are favorable. We don't want shaky samadhi. (laughs) We can't have both. A strong, stable, and continuous samadhi develops for someone who has natural awareness of whatever experience that arises or for someone who sees everything as something to be aware of with wisdom. The mind will do its own work, whether awareness is there or not there. Without awareness, the mind will follow, will follow orders from defilements. With right awareness, the mind will do the work of wisdom. That's so important. What are the orders from defilements? And remember, defilements are just those things that uh, come up in our mind connected with that uh, greed, hatred, or delusion, those three poisons. So the mind will do its own work whether awareness is there or not. Without awareness, the mind will follow orders from defilements. With right awareness, the mind will do the work of wisdom. A a yogi recounted that she thought she was aware while eating, only to realize after the meal that she had been eating with greed. Think about it. How could she have thought that there was awareness where there wasn't? What was happening in the mind? It is because she was not regularly checking what was happening in the mind, but only paying attention to the eating process. It's also because she wasn't paying attention to the meditating mind. One yogi said, 
when I noticed other eat, other yogis eating without mindfulness and with greed, I became more mindful. My mindfulness increased. A wise person will take advantage of an experience to develop sati, awareness, samadhi, stable mind, and panya, wisdom. Someone without wisdom will just react to the same situation with aversion. So that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful example. Our understanding of the Dhamma will grow when we use awareness plus wisdom whenever we see, hear, or come into contact with something. It is most important that awareness plus wisdom, awareness wisdom, are always prepared and ready for any situation. It's our responsibility to take care of and develop the mind that is able to discern the Dhamma nature that is present all the time, everywhere. I will, I'd love to continue reading, but we, why don't we practice together? Well, let's see. We have a little bit of time where we can read this one more section might be of interest to a lot of us. So, uh, how do you sleep? Here, I'm not asking whether you sleep on your stomach, side, or back. I'm asking about your mind. Do you just let go of everything when you fall asleep? Are you thinking? Are you aware? I sometimes like to ask yogis what my teacher used to ask me. What is the last thing you were aware of before you fell asleep? Or where were you, what were you aware of as soon as you woke up? This is meant to show you how you should be practicing up to the moment you fall asleep and beginning again as soon as you wake up. Up to the moment, I'm reading that sentence again, how you should be practicing up to the moment you fall asleep and beginning again as soon as you wake up. It means that except for when you're asleep, every moment is a time for meditation. When you wake up, do you realize that you are awake? When do you first realize that you are awake? Do you really know at that time? Of course, yogis wake up, but they don't realize that they've woken up. Many people will just start to do things around the room without realizing that they're awake. Sati, that mindfulness, has not yet come in. Some people may realize that they're awake, but forget again. They only become aware once again when they arrive at the Dhamma Hall. So here's a suggestion. As soon as you wake up, don't start doing things just yet. Sayadaw Ujjotika gave this idea to consciously breathe in for four or five minutes when waking up the mind will become more alert. 
make sure not to do it too softly or else you might fall asleep again. Then, with awareness, get up, walk, or do what you need to do. Whatever you are aware of is okay, so long as there is awareness. That's a good, that's a good habit, to just stay in bed and breathe that four minutes. Being awake as you wake up. So I'll stop there and I want to share something with you before we begin meditation when he, he's talking about um, when one person said, uh, I notice other yogis eating without mindfulness and with greed. When I noticed that, I became more mindful. My mindfulness increased and uh, I had... <laughs> And then the, the, the author says, a wise person will take advantage of an experience to develop sati, samadhi, and panya. Someone without will, will, wisdom will just react to the same situation with aversion. So I'm, I've had, I have an experience that just pops to my mind of reacting uh, with aversion. Uh, when I was at a Vipassana 10-day meditation many years ago, uh, there was there was someone who brought her own food, so she always had uh, a huge amount of food at, at our noon meal, which was our main meal and the last meal of the day, and had all kinds of uh, Tupperware and containers of her food. And it just seemed like it, her special diet was, it was amazing. I mean, the entire time in the uh, lunchroom she was eating and working her way through this food. And I remember uh, she was right at my, if I looked up, she was, for some reason, uh, her back was always in, in my line of vision. And I remember having a version watching her eat um, and seeing big bowl after bowl. Uh, being consumed, and I'm sure it was all probably like lettuce <laughs> and beans, but there was something about what seemed like her, what her greed, what it, what I was uh, assuming was greed, became my aversion. So I was watching her uh, with greed, not with mindfulness. I mean, I was watching her with aversion not mindfulness. My mindful, mindfulness could have really kicked in sooner and just made me realize uh, and, and have some kind of awareness about what I was looking at. And it would have been like this other person who said, uh, when she notices other yogis eating without mindfulness and with greed, uh, I became more mindful, my mindfulness increased. And I don't know, maybe out of the 10 days there, maybe the first seven I was watching with aversion and could have been the last, the last three days that, that I was maybe not even watching or was, uh, had realized there was something there for me to learn just about uh, eating mindfully. But 
that one that one's too close to home for me, so there's something I can learn from it. So So now, why don't we practice together? It's Friday. I'll see you again on Sunday, but um, a weekend is coming up, so we have lots of opportunities probably to be aware. And remember, the objects don't matter. We don't have to be in a beautiful environment and on a lovely retreat where there are gardens and statues of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Uh, we can be at work. We can be uh, busy in the kitchen or doing laundry, and there will always be objects for us to uh, have as objects of attention. It's all what we're doing with our mind with it. So we can be creating aversions where there's no need to be, or we can be being mindful. Uh, so we can create distractions for ourselves anywhere. So remember we can be aware, we can be mindful in any situation with any objects. And we can be uh, interested and curious and exploring. It doesn't have to be uh, grueling hard work. It's a way of seeing everything as uh, teachings for that awareness and wisdom to come together. So now just be aware of your body breathing, getting into your meditation posture. What we're really doing is allowing our mind to begin to calm down just by assuming that position or even that uh, attitude that we're going to sit now. We're going to be with ourselves. Go inward. And it just becomes natural. We're finding a spot or we're watching our breath. And wherever we are, we may need to find our spot on a train or when we're driving with, when we're sitting as a passenger in a car or when we're waiting in an office. Sometimes we have to take these moments of being with ourselves, uh, maybe scattered throughout the day maybe not for as long a period as we would enjoy, but it's what we have if we have, say, a very busy day or things come up. But still take those moments with yourself in silence, please. And it may, it may just be your inner silence if you're in a noisy environment. But you, you can do it. We need to have that time with ourselves. So be aware of your body breathing. 
Let that be your anchor. But you're open to everything coming to you through your senses, no matter how subtle. Even if your eyes are closed, even if you're in your very quiet place. You can scan your body and be aware of your body. And of course, be aware of the senses. Even with eyes closed, there's light. There may be flickers of your eyelids opening, or you may just have your eyes downcast. There's sound, even if it's just the sound of your own stomach gurgling, or you can hear the air conditioner or a clock ticking. There's always the body of contact. You feel your hands or your arms on your upper legs if you're sitting. You feel any breeze or air touching your skin. You're aware of temperature. You're aware of comfort or a little discomfort. But there's always something coming into you from your sense doors. All of this can be the object that you put your awareness on. And don't forget that doing a body scan can give you so much information. Let's do a very quick body scan. We haven't done that in a long time. Starting at the top of your head, Slowly move down, scanning inside and out. Be aware of your scalp. Be aware of inside your head. Notice any tightness. Notice a general feeling. And as you move through each body part, see if you can relax as you move through. Let your exhale help you just release tension. Moving down through your head. All 
the way down through the front and the back and the sides and inside. Move down all the way through, down to your jaw and into your neck. Lots of pain, lots of tension in our necks. So be sure you practice moving around and stretching the body. Move into your shoulders, both shoulders. Down through your upper arms, and both your lower arms, just remember, even in your arms, to release tension, relax, move into your hands, be sure your palms are open, either face up or face down, so you can relax. Let go of any clenching you feel. Find a, a very comfortable, loose way to hold your hands. Be aware of your palms and then all through your fingers. Now back to your upper torso. Below your shoulders. Be aware of your chest and your spine and those shoulder blades. If you sit upright, you can feel the shoulder, shoulder blades moving in towards each other. That's good. Be aware of your lungs breathing. Feeling that in your chest. As you move down through your abdomen into your belly, again you can feel your breath. Rising with the inhale, contracting with the exhale. And be aware of your spine as well as you move through your body. Now move into your pelvic area. Be aware of your sitting posture here, how it feels. Do you feel comfortable? Is there pain? Do you need to check your posture?
move into your upper legs. Into your knees. I like to be sure we include our knees because we put so much strain and uh, use, use our knees so much. Now down into your lower legs, your shins in front and your calves in the back, those strong bones. down to your ankles. And then into your feet. Again, a lot of bones in these areas. In your ankles, in your feet. And into your toes. grandfather always said, because everyone teased me about having big feet, even as a child, he said, that's okay. She, she, she'll have a firm foundation for a good understanding. <laughs> so be grateful to your feet. They support us. They can be your firm understanding. <laughs> and then move that energy out through your toes. And when you come back to your breath, See if, you, see if your body feels differently, if you're holding it differently. If you have a different, even if it's only very slight, a different awareness in your body. So we want to have our awareness based in this body. through our senses. Now, if you can, keep sitting. My time with you is up. But keep sitting. You might want to practice metta for yourself, for your loved ones, for every other being in the, on the planet and in the universe. And remember, when we do this metta practice, we are practicing to purify our own minds of defilements. So for that reason, we don't leave any living be being out of our practice. We include our difficult people, 
we include challenging maybe entire nations that we feel challenged by. We include everything that, uh, every animal that we may be afraid of. Because this is to purify ourselves. This is to get out of the way of our own viewpoints and preferences uh, our own. This is a, the way we learn how to step away from that identity with self, that self-view. We want that beautiful, infinitely uh, directed view of just being a part of all of this, a part of this world, a part of all of this. That'll help us see more clearly. But it means it means letting go. Letting go for those preferences of a view that we prefer, of the scenery we prefer, the sounds we prefer. Letting go of that and working with what is. Love the earth, cherish the earth, and love each other and love yourself. So have a beautiful day and continue on if you have the time. Thank you so much. I'll see you Sunday.